Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. We're broadcasting live from a very exciting location, Mike. Yeah. Where are we tonight? The country and suites of Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Menominee Falls. And why why on earth will we be broadcasting live from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin? Because I just bought a brand new car at Ernie Von Schladorn. <laughs> Congratulations, Mike. <laughs> yes. Main Street and Menominee Falls. Okay, so you guys who aren't from oh, the Milwaukee gosh, they area. Think we're insane. They do think we're insane, but there is a uh there was a German guy that was everybody in Milwaukee knew it was an adver- advertisement, and he'd be like, "Who do you know wants to buy a car?" <laughs> and it'd be Ernie von Schlader on Main Street, Menominee Falls. And so, um, I grew up on the other side of Waukesha County, and this is uh, Menominee Falls. So, anyway, we're glad to be here, and we're doing it because we're recording at Cherry Pit Studios in Menominee Falls. That's right. And this is our sixth recording at Cherry Pit wow. Studios. Yeah, so this will be that we'll be coming up with eighteen songs so, that we've done at this place. A series of EPs, mm-hmm. three songs a piece. And I was just thinking about this the other day because in my studio at home I have our all of our full length CDs, you know, framed on the wall. Yeah. And there's six of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, the last one of those was 2011, the slingshot effect. Right. And I was like. We've recorded a lot since then, but they've all been EPs, so I'm like... So we haven't collected them in one thing. It's all been digital and stuff like right. that. Right, so I'm like, do I frame all of the EPs, or should I just, you know, I don't know what to do about that. You know that. what I think we should do about it? I think we should put it together as Sunspot's Weirdest Hits, oh. and it'll be something for people. It'll be like a little best of the EPs we've done over the past couple of years. That's a fine idea. I, I believe we'll do that um, right before Halloween this year when we celebrate the first anniversary of See You on the Other Side. I like this plan. I'm excited to be part of it. Let's <laughs> okay. do it. So I think that'll be definitely something to do. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And as then I'll we frame that it. one and I'll, I'll make it its own, you know, its own little framed thing in my studio. Yeah. And, you know, I'm excited about, like, I think we've met more interesting people this year through doing this podcast than we've met in a long time. We have. Yeah. And for so, sure. And so that's been a really fun thing. And also all these people open up to new experience. Yeah. And when you get in this in, the, in this world, the world of uh, paranormal things. Oh, my gosh. Like you meet yeah, a lot of so people cool. who sometimes you're like, wow, like, yeah, you're 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 nuts. And then you meet other people who are like, you know, you meet that you have a really good connection. Yeah. And you, it's like, oh, I understand where you're coming from. And I see what you've done and, and all these kind of things. That, that's really exciting. I it think. is really exciting. And it's fun, too. Like when we're on tour, people now coming up and, and talking about experiences that they've had or weird things they've seen. And they, they they almost come up and talk to you as though like, hey, you know, I'm, I don't really tell that many people about this. But I feel like, comfortable cool. telling hey, you. I am happy to listen to your story. It's much in different because we used to get just get drunk stories. Because <laughs> it used to be like, yeah, we're playing some kind of bar in the right. middle of Ohio, you know, and, and not like just on a drunk, Tuesday. And it's not just the drunk story. It's it's the fact that you hear the same story over and over, like five times in the same night. And you're like, right. yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time that I almost died? Yeah. You and you just try so hard to be polite. And then at a certain point, you're like, I'm just going to turn and run and yeah. see if he notices. Right. No. You, you, I mean, I, I'm not saying I do that, but no, you smell. I just said it. I did it. You smell like Jameson's <laughs> porta potty, and I, it just 
I figure after like the third time of hearing the same exact story, it's just a right. Of course. That you have that you can just leave. So it's unceremoniously. No, it's a different kind. It's a different kind of person that listens to the podcast and is into this kind of, you know, the the kind of things that we are and the kind of, and appreciates the subject matter, the music we're creating. Yeah. But there's plenty of people who go to concerts who also, you know, are interested in these types of topics and stuff. So that's, that's what's fun is the crossover between. (laughs) Right. And then when you meet people in venues and they're like, oh yeah, well this place is totally haunted. Well, I would tell us all about it. Yeah. And please show us, please show us your ghosts. (laughs) Show us your ghosties. I would would rather see your ghosties than anything else you've got. Oh my God. It's like. T-shirt idea. T-shirt idea. (laughs) Right. Right. It's horrible. (laughs) Show me your ghosties. Okay. So today at Cherry Pit Studios, we recorded drums, we recorded bass, mm-hmm. and then tomorrow Ben's going to come and do some guitars, we're going to do some vocals, and in no time we're going to have uh, a few new songs for you guys. Well, they're they're somewhat new, although you may have heard them because they're songs that we wrote for this very podcast. Right, so the most interesting songs from the podcast and the ones that had the best yeah. response are the ones that we're recording in the yes. studio. Yes. So, so all of you that give us feedback on music... You are getting a first class, like we're giving you a first class version of the songs now. Right. And plus they're going into a TV library. Like we're doing this whole thing yeah. um, based on the songs that you guys like the most. Right. So, so everybody that's, that's responding to us on Facebook and Twitter, um, awesome. And if you're not, email. yeah, if you're not responding to us. Um, it's a good reminder that. You probably should. Yeah. I mean, if you hear a, one of the songs at the end of the, the episodes and you really like it or something. If you do let us know, we definitely take that into consideration when we're deciding which songs to record in the in the you know official fancy studio. <laughs> right, and the thing is, if you don't listen to the songs in the podcast and you just hate music, like you're one of those people that hate good music, it's okay. Then, I'll just go cry myself. Yeah, to you just sleep. let us. You just let us know that too, because we don't have feelings, and so it won't even hurt. <laughs> it won't even hurt a little bit. Anyway. This is episode fifty, and to everybody. Oh my gosh, episode fifty! Right, so we're we're uh, we're a half a century. Uh, we're established. Eight, we're eight months in, <laughs> and having a maybe nine months in. So we, you know, we've had our our uh, show baby. We've had our baby. Yeah, and our it's podcast baby. Right, and it's just a, it's a real ugly baby, but we're having a good time. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah, no, strange. I mean like it has very strange characteristics. Yeah, it's got a hair lip and stuff, oh. but that's that kind of. But it's still cute, and it still loves us. And uh, we're having fun, and we just Always. like this. So just make sure that you give us the feedback and everything like that. And tell us what you like, and also tell us what you don't like, because That's right, right, with Teflon, and you can't hurt us. Mm, yeah. So okay. So today we we spent, you know, we got up real early, drove here to yeah. town, did the recording. After the recording, we checked into the hotel, and then we both did our respective runs. Yeah, we did our jogs Mike, today. Mike ran further than me. Um, Not I that ran, much, though. Well, a mile. Yeah, miles. I mean, come on. He ran four miles. I ran three, and right. <laughs> tell his and her miles. But but we get back here. We reconvene at the hotel, and Mike's like, "I saw this bird. I think I saw an eagle." I did. I said the Thunderbird. No, it wasn't the Thunderbird. <laughs> so it wasn't like a pterosaur or anything like that. But, but it was really, big enough to possibly so have been. I was the only person in this park. So there's a park right off so, of. Um, so you could be completely making this up. No, I really wasn't no, making. I believe this you. I believe this you. is I'm right off kidding. of. Uh, we have Mequon Road? Yes. Okay, so Mequon Road in Germany. Near German, 41. In Germantown. Highway 41. And um, so there's a little park, and I go take the run to the park, and on the way I realize I'm, like, I'm the only person there. And I got to do a couple of miles 
And so I'm doing loops. And each loop is about, I don't know, about a third of a, third of a mile. And the second loop I go through, I see a bird that's got to be, and this is up in a tree, it's got to be about uh, half the size of me. So it's it's in the tree, so we can rule out Big Bird. <laughs> yes. Well, and I guess it, you got to climb the tree. Or a turkey. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm not a real tall guy. Like, I'm 5'9", right? So I'm not a, I'm not a super tall yeah. man. Um. But it's going to be, but I mean, that's going to be almost three feet tall. That's a large bird. Right. That's so like I, an emu. I look up and I'm like, wow. And, and I see that. And then Was it just. Was it an emu? Yeah, it was a flying emu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. They don't fly. If I saw an emu flying, I'd run the other way. What is this, Jurassic Park? <laughs> and and so the thing just, it's like, it sees me and goes, wow. And then it takes off and it's like a buzzard or I'm like, is that the mighty eagle? Draco. Or what's the <laughs> the Game of Thrones dragons? Oh, Dracarys. I mean, Dracarys yeah, is what they yeah, say when they right. like. That means the, the breathe of fire. Dracarys. That's all right. That's what it made me think. Of. If it wasn't no, but it was like I a dragon. It, was, it sounded. You made it sound like it was about to select you for dinner. No, I thought it was going to pick me up and fly <laughs> me away. Like it was With its claws. No, it was big enough that I was worried about my eyes. Like it, it, okay. it could attack my eyes and it could have totally pecked out my eyes. And I. Anyway, I'm glad I didn't. So I saw the thunder. <laughs> I saw the Thunderbird Menominee Falls tonight. It's I don't know if it's a legendary Thunderbird, but it's a big, huge bird. All right. So if you're in Menominee Falls, be on the lookout. Yes, and you know my cousin, my godfather actually saw a um, he saw a pterosaur. Really? Yeah, he's got a whole story about it. Allison from That's Milwaukee really Ghosts just cool, just finished a video that of it. Dinosaurs are extinct. Right. He just finished a video. It's going to be on YouTube. Okay. We'll put that in the show right. notes. I, I'm curious now. I must see this video. Yeah. And it, it's but, all about my, my godfather talking about the, the pterosaur that he saw outside of a hospital in Milwaukee oh, cool. one time about 20 years ago. Well, speaking of Milwaukee and weird things that people are seeing. Oh, yeah. There's something. So what's going on with this lion? Is this real or is this a joke or is this like, because it was, I mean, it was a legitimate news story. I believe it was, yeah, this morning. I thought it was just Thundercats cosplay in the beginning. <laughs> like somebody's dressing like lion I thought it was just a cat. It's like, somebody I with like to show poor off depth my, perception. My but. abs. <laughs> um, <laughs> with poor depth perception. No. Like, oh my God, that cat's huge. I can't even tell how big that cat is. But it's on, it's on the news. People, there is a purported lion running around Milwaukee and they haven't been able to catch it. But yeah, no, been, this isn't. It's been spotted by like not only citizens but also the police. Yeah, the popo say they've seen a mysterious big cat, and no, <laughs> uh, it's a big cat. Maybe it's a cougar. Maybe it's an African lion. It's been spotted roaming the streets of Milwaukee. The first report came July twentieth, so a little over a week ago, and um, the police said they received fourteen phone calls over the weekend from people that say they saw. The Milwaukee line. What in the heck is going on? Even two cops say they caught okay. a glimpse of it. And this is from the Chicago Tribune. So it's not just in the Milwaukee well, Journal. Okay. This is from a it's, from a larger newspaper. And like the only image so far is a grainy cell phone video. And it, it looks like a big cat stalking through a yard. Well, okay. I mean, let's be honest. There, there have been cougar sightings. 
Oh Remember yeah, that? no, I've definitely seen cougars at Rooters in no, Waukesha. Like, no, no, no. I mean, like, hey, and they're fierce. Like a couple got me in their grasp, and I almost oh. got caught and ensnared into their home. Actually, that that did happen at a show once. Remember that cougar? That okay? Anyway, no, no, she got me, and it's just like, you could be my second husband. My kids often no. College. There was like, there was a cougar that was like demanding that we play Brick House on your birthday. Oh the, yeah, driving in Madison. Anyway, okay, okay. I know. I let her have it on stage. It I, believe, I believe I told her what anyway, I thought um, about so boogie no, shoes. but there there were a oh, boogie shoes. That was it. Okay, brick house boogie shoes. Anyway, it it was like a big story last year. There were cougar sightings, like the animal, the cougar. Not right. No, no, no. Obviously not. Okay, just thank you. And there were like pictures and video and everything. And I can't, I can't remember where where they. Where are these wild cougars were coming from? Well, the thing from, is, but... so there's a guy named Critter Dave. His name is Dave Schneider, and um, he is a, a local exotic animal rescuer and a former pet store okay. owner. And he says, actually, the odds that there is a big cat on the loose in Milwaukee are good. Quote, I know from my experience that a lot of people have animals that they shouldn't, so it's very possible. I'm just out here today to peruse the area, take a look, see where it might go. So the idea that somebody might have gotten a cougar or a mountain lion or something like that yeah. as a pet. Because no offense to any humans out there, but humans do stupid stuff when it comes to like taking wild animals and deciding we're just going to have that for a pet. Right. Absolutely. I mean, whether it's like that, that, that chimpanzee that ripped that woman's face off oh, not too long ago. So bad. I, right. So bad. No, they got crazy strength. So nasty. Or it's... um. Like a wallaby or something, you know? It's yeah, like, like no, oh, you know we're going to have a kangaroo. We have, we have dogs. We domesticated them. Right, and even dogs aren't, like, even dogs right. will bite you. But there's some animal, it's just, they're not meant to be living in a house. And I, I'm sorry, but I think a cougar might be well, you take, one of those. You take the animals that we talk about, you're talking about dogs and cats, even horses and even sheep and things. They're self-domesticating. Like a cat, yeah. like, wants to be in your house. And as long as you put a thing of sand around for it to take a crap in. But don't they run like, away sometimes when you open the door and stuff? Yeah, but half the time they come back. Like, no, no, no. What I'm saying is like a regular cat is self domestic Like, we don't yeah. have to capture cats. Oh, that's interesting. So the thing with cats is people put some food out or something and they'll keep coming back and they'll, you know. And so it, it may be in a, a situation now where we keep them in a... You know, a, a, right. like like my house, a five hundred square foot condo. You know, you know, you keep them in a certain kind of place, and they want to go explore. But the fact is, these animals are self domesticating. At the end of the day, they're going to come home. Right. The dog Aww. wants to be wants to be man's best friend. Cat right. wants to be your buddy. Like these creatures want to be there. Um, cougar. A, a mountain lion or wants, a cougar wants to. She might want to be your best friend, but you'll off. never tame her. Yeah. You know, it, that, that's the kind of thing. Yeah. So. Okay, so the Milwaukee lion, it's a it's a thing, and it's made the papers, and it's made the and national news. You don't think news. it's real, do you, Mike? I can I, tell. From no, the look I on your don't face. think it's real because I think people have been seeing some stuff. So, and people it, over the summertime in Milwaukee, like Summerfest is over. Like nobody cares about the cultural fests anymore. Like German fest and <sighs> Italian fest and Mex. I've been to all of them. Festa Italiana, just, I love them, but there's not much to do in Milwaukee when you hit the end of July. Okay. But I'm just, I mean, I'm disappointed because I, I admit, I bought the bill of goods that I was sold. Like, 
I watched the news and I was like, oh man. And I, I'm just like, oh, it probably got loose from a zoo or something like that. Well, I tell you what, if I, if they actually if they actually get concrete proof of the Milwaukee lion, yeah, we have a then I will have a night out <laughs> and that everybody that's listening to this podcast and comes up and says, like, Mike, I bet money on the Milwaukee Lion and you lost. I'll buy you a beer. I'm so there. So we'll have a night like at the end of August or something like that. If they can find okay, the Milwaukee Lion before the end of August, I'll buy everybody who's listening Ooh, to this podcast okay, and shows up. You heard it here first. A beer. And you know what? I think it's all. I think. It, I think everybody is jumping on this. Well, you know what? I think it's real. I believe in the Milwaukee Lion, and I think. Well, I kind of want it to run away, though. I don't want him to catch it, but. <laughs> right, but. I still you know believe what? in it. I want some proof. If we get some kind of visual proof. Okay. Like if All somebody's right. got a slow motion, if somebody's got a slow motion video <laughs> of a lion running through Veterans Park, you know what I mean? Like right on the lakefront. Right. You know what? I owe you a beer. I'm so like that free beer from Mike. Like the lion. Like let's say the lion busts through at the art museum or that pieces of oh, eight, well. that pieces of eight restaurant right by the lake. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it comes through like, okay. It's not going to make us sound like a, like a dinosaur. <laughs> That's yes, a raptor sound. Okay. All right. It's we, also we, lions. Given that the lion, the lions had plenty of air time. Cats can make, cats can make like 200 <laughs> different kind of vocalizations. Think a lion can't sound like a raptor. <sighs> Okay. I just watched Jurassic World the other night. <gasps> Did you like it? Yeah, that was all right. Oh, wow. That's a, that's just a, a wow. That's quite a testimonial. Yeah, I think Chris Pratt's a good looking guy. And I think that Bryce <laughs> Dallas, I think Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, she matured into her looks. She looks like Evangeline Lilly from Lost. And so she looks cute in the movie. Uh, but honestly, besides the looks of the main actors, right? it just was Jurassic Park redone sweet for, yeah i can't and, wait to see it now i know it's worth it you know it, it definitely is worth watching okay um but it doesn't really kick into anything clever until the last 45 gotcha. minutes okay otherwise it's just jurassic park and that's beginning. good to know because if i watch it and i need to take a bathroom break i'll make sure i go before the last 45 minutes yes and then at the end you'll be like oh okay pretty okay. cool all right that's there's good. a couple of set like, there's a couple of sequences that you've been waiting for for a long time cool um, well we're 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 Straying a little bit from our topic here, but you yeah, know we what? are it's really episode fifty, and I feel like we can just keep going. Well, the thing is, fun to hang out and weird, celebrate. And weird stuff has been happening. Has so like? Do you think maybe it's related to episode fifty? <sighs> Dogs and cats living together, <laughs> mass hysteria. I do, I do think something's up, and especially something's up for all of us alien. It's the quickening. Whoa! All of us alien lovers, because what happened in the past week? Was that this Russian bazillionaire named Yuri Milner? Yeah, I am Yuri Stark. <laughs> I'm Yuri Milner, and I I I can't even. I'm not even bother doing a I Russian know. accent. We both are. My terrible. accents are horrible. Um, so Yuri Milner decide to donate. How much? A million dollars? Ten million dollars? Uh uh a hundred. Million dollars. How many rubles? Jeez. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I guess we could ask Google, but I'm no, not. No, I, I was. Right. It's going to be plenty of rubles. A hundred million dollars. Wow. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Good for him. I respect that man. I do. I mean, Yuri Milner, interesting character. He's one of Russia's. Well, I mean, Russia has like the most billionaires going on right now. Like Russia has a ton of billionaires. I didn't know that. Well, 
after the fall of communism, um, let's say the markets opened up. <laughs> okay. What? You know, so Yuri Milner, mm-hmm. like, so I, how do you make his money? Where's he? Well, he's a venture capitalist. Oh, okay, gotcha. And so I, I read an article about him in Wired, and it looks like he's the kind of guy that, when he was in college, he was selling smuggled PCs and things like that, okay. like right after the fall of the Berlin cool. Wall, and he was trying to bring that kind of technology to uh, uh, the Russian people, and and so he was doing some stuff. But also, he's got this venture capitalist yeah. firm, and. Well, interestingly enough, like the venture, you know, the venture capitalist firm has a, has an, an interesting character. It's Digital Sky Technologies. And it, it is the, it's the toast of Silicon Valley. Okay. Because they invest in all of the social media things. Oh, of course. So everybody's. Everybody loves them because they're investing in Facebook, they're investing in Twitter, yeah. they're investing, they're probably investing in Snapchat, that dirty business. Nasty. Right, right. Right, because how many how many deleted pictures of of your goods do people need to see? Oh, man. That's okay. That's okay. I screen cap all of them. Um, but the fact is, so like digital sunspot sky technology. Yeah, <laughs> sunspot. You'll see, and you're like, hey, is that a screen cap? No, it's just Brett Favre. Don't worry about it. Um, Facebook, Zynga, uh, Foursquare, Twitter. Like they invested in everything like that, and one of their one of their minority investors is called the hard man of Russia. The hard man. Hmm. Yeah. And so there's a whole thing. I mean, so, uh, this, so Yuri Milner was like, Oh yeah, he's not really a big deal. I mean, it's just this guy named Alisher Uzmanov that's suspected of being a Russian, like associated with the mafia. I mean, the Russian mafia, like, you know, it's, we always hear about it and you uh-huh. see it in movies and it's, it's terrifying. Cause it's like the Russians, they don't fear death. They don't fear right. anything. Um, death is easy. It's hard, like Russian soil. You know, like, those guys don't care. Um, but the fact is, like, he's a guy that went through and made his money in one of the toughest, most interesting capitalist markets in the world. Yuri. Rush. Yeah, Yuri, Yuri yeah. did. Okay. And he might have had to associate himself with scum, some people that aren't... Scum people? <laughs> that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? With scum people... With some people who might not be completely ethical. Oh, Yuri, no. But isn't that the great... I mean, isn't that everybody that's made a ton of money? Hmm. You know, can you say to anybody from like the early part of the 20th century, whether it's Andrew Carnegie or um, uh, who is the guy that did U.S. Steel and was that Carnegie? You know what I mean? Like, think about all the robber barons of the late 19th century. Yeah. Like, there's some people that took their money or even... Um, we have these peace prizes, Nobel. How did Af- right. how did Alfred Nobel make his money? Well, he he invented dynamite. Oh, and so he thought dynamite okay. was going to have a peaceful peaceful application, and then it was used for all these things that blew people up. Oh. So he's like, I'm going to take all this That's money a I real made. Drag when that happens. I'm going to take all this money I made and do something good yeah. for the world Aww. and create the peace prize and create these kind of scientific prizes. Bless his little heart. So that, because the thing is, he created something. <laughs> That's his, he's got a huge heart. It just might explode. Oh, man. All over Where's the place. the drum set when I need it? <sighs> He'll be here all night, folks. Okay. So the thing is... Okay, I so mean, Yuri... You're a robber baron. Like, that's yeah. that's he, the way things go. And so Russia's full of them. He associated himself with somebody who might not be so pleasant. Yeah, but he, he totally made up for it by donating 100 
million yeah. dollars to the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Well, that's pretty cool. Even cooler <laughs> is he picked up Stephen Hawking on the way. Brilliant. Right, which means that the, whatever van he picked yeah. him up in had had a ramp. And, I mean, come on. Stephen Hawking, we love the guy. And um, he's obviously the smartest guy in the world. And I think we talked about the Onion article before. Is oh, yeah. Mike Tyson as yeah. strong as Stephen Hawking is smart? Yeah. And I mean, He's a good guy to have on your team if you're going to be like out there searching for aliens. Right. Basically. And he... Or um, basically if you're doing anything requiring anything. Anything requiring physics. Like you, you want Stephen Hawking there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Stephen Hawking has a great... Uh, a great quote when he talks about how alien he's like alien life is out there and he said to my mathematical brain the numbers alone make thinking about aliens perfectly rational the real challenge is working out what aliens might actually be like (laughs) we only have uh, to look at ourselves to see how intelligent life might develop into something we wouldn't want to meet or how stupid it is I imagine they might exist in massive ships having used up all the resources on their home planet. Such advanced aliens would perhaps become nomads, looking to conquer and colonize whatever planets they can reach. Or maybe make friends. If aliens ever visit us, I think the outcome would be much as when Christopher Columbus first landed in America, which didn't turn out very Not well very for promising. the American Indians. Oh, God. That's the quote they use. So okay, depressing. so there's this movie from 2010 called Skyline. Okay, and it's made Doesn't by the. Familiar was it a big one? On it, it had some, it had major distribution, but it was independently done by these two guys, these two brothers who were a special effects house, and they'd done a whole bunch of special effects for Sony, and they thought that they could make their own movie. Okay, that's and, cool. Yeah, and the special effects of this movie were great, and the movie was horrible. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, Skyline. It's got um. Uh, Brittany Daniel, who is Joe Dirt's girlfriend, and uh, she was one of uh, Dawson's girlfriends on Dawson's Creek. Th- thanks for the two references that you know I can relate to. No, right. I have Everybody no idea who you're talking love about. Love Brittany Daniel, um, but uh, and it's also got the guy that played Dexter's best friend on Dexter, and Hell Angel, um, but they called him on Hell on the show because it was Spanish sounding. Oh, that's um, cool. But the thing is, uh, so Skyline was horrible, okay. but the in the trailer was awesome because it had great special effects, and they used this Stephen Hawking quote saying like, "Well, oh, okay, if aliens cool. ever visit us, I think the outcome will be much yeah. like Christopher." Gl- and you're like, "Oh God, yeah, that's, that's, this is gonna be totally sweet," and it's got an unhappy ending. Like, don't you know? Okay. I'm, I don't mean to ruin Skyline for you, but if you've seen it, you've already ruined two hours of your life. <laughs> well, I mean, that quote alone is pretty like depressing yeah, and that's like i mean that's great stephen hawking because yeah. his he's always very dry i mean obviously and he I doesn't mean, have a lot of he doesn't have a lot of uh uh he doesn't use his voice very <laughs> you know what i mean like so he's got to do it in the exact words but it's very unless you get to respect that scientifically statistically based mm-hmm. statement so it's you know what i how can you not believe it it's like it's just it's a fact i mean probability statistics well, we're going to go a little bit more SETI in a second, because SETI is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Oh, yeah. And that's what the acronym stands for. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more SETI in a second. But before we get to SETI, let's talk about Enrico Fermi. Okay, everybody loves Enrico, Enrico Fermi. Enrico Fermi. 
and like Fermi Labs is out of Chicago. Um, and uh, I mean, that's where he did a lot of his research and he died in Chicago. But Enrico Fermi was a scientist and he is one of the fathers of the atomic bomb. So he's one of those guys. That's, that was, something to be, that's a baby to be proud of, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's only no, the, <laughs> 50,000 people in Hiroshima that might oh, disagree. Gosh. No, the science, the science is impressive, but whoa, that'd be like what happened was horrible. Right. Yeah. right. And it's like, that's what your, your name is down in history for as a father of atomic bomb. Just Good like, job, I mean, dude. Oppenheimer, I mean, right before they blow up the bomb I mean, right before it, the first time he goes, I've become death, Someone the destroyer said. of worlds. So like the person <sighs> in charge of the Manhattan project says, I've become death, the destroyer of worlds right before the bomb goes off. Like, I know that's dramatic. Wait. But you're like, hey, that's, man, we're just trying to beat the Nazis right here. Like, like that's straight up like, uh, yeah. No, right. And, and, I, I, and here's this whole time I thought he said someone set up, up the bomb. <laughs> someone <laughs> set, up set, us, set, bomb. set up us bomb. Right. Yes. Sorry. No, all our bases are belong right. to us. All your bases are belong to us. So where did he say this? Was he like making a recording of it? Well, Enrico Fermi didn't say it. I was just talking about uh, Robert Oppenheimer. He no, was just, but he was saying that like as... Who like, said that and who recorded it? And um, Are we sure that actually was said? No, that's what he said. He said oh. while the bomb So went he off. claimed... To, wow, nice. Okay. Yeah, and it might have just been one of those things where it's like I want to, you know... <sighs> So Enrico Fermi, one of the fathers, well, just like Einstein. I mean, Einstein was the one, was one of the people encouraging us to develop the bomb. And then once he realized that we developed it before Germany was going to develop it. Yeah. He said, no, 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 we shouldn't drop it. Okay. But yeah, you know, that's one of those decisions that is left up to the, you know, of of time. So, um, anyway, Enrico Fermi, he didn't just love, uh, blowing up things. And Adams, he also loved the aliens. Hey. So he developed this thing called the Fermi Paradox, which was, okay, how big is the universe? Okay. Large. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let me go with extra large. How big is the universe? Well, how okay. big is a butt? You know, it, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? is like the universe. Freaking huge. That's, that's a huge but No, it's the idea is that the universe is so massive. <laughs> like we, No, the idea is it's not even comparable to anything. You know, like when you make a your mama joke about somebody, it's like, your mama's butt's so big, it's as big as... Right. The universe. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the universe is so massive. I just ended all the your mama jokes. Right. It's so massive. What? I feel like there's got to be a great punchline here. Well, it's so massive. There should be. How massive is it? Billions of spacefaring civilizations. Right. Exactly. Statistically speaking, again. Right. And and that's that's the thought. Is that so? Fermi's paradox is, if the universe is, I mean, so massive, and infinite. And there's billions of spacefaring civilizations or billions of intelligent civilizations out there. Where are they? Oh, God. And now I feel the depression setting in again. <laughs> right. You liked it when we were telling big butt your mama jokes. And now you're like, oh, wait, this is how it ends. Yeah. You're making me contemplate the whole, like, we're so alone thing again. <laughs> right. And that's just like that part in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and I- where they have that. Okay. So there's that punishment. Where so so they have this room where you go into and 
and you go into this room as punishment and you see the entirety of the universe and you see your place that's in right, the universe. That's right. Oh gosh. That's... So you see your, and you see how small you are compared to the rest of the universe. And then you die because you're so depressed yeah. because you see what kind of a small being you are, the rest of the universe. And the only person that can survive it is Zaphod Beeblebrox because he is so egotistical. Right. He can see the entirety of the universe and still think he's a big deal. <laughs> So, uh, so you are feeling that. Thank you, Douglas Adams. Oh, as always, cheers to Douglas Adams. Cheers. But the thing is, you know, we're so optimistic, generally speaking, human beings, I think. I would we have to be optimistic. Right. So that so um so our buddy Dano. Dan Chez. Dan, Dan so our buddy Dan, he's a, a sound guy we work with. And a recording engineer with a dozen occasions. Mm -hmm. Very talented. Came with us last weekend when we went up to Wausau. Mm -hmm. Very scientifically minded. And he, An all around fun guy. He, he is a fun guy. We know we love that. But he shared this great article last week on the Fermi Paradox. And it introduced something to me that I haven't seen before called the Great Filter. So, why is it that we don't see other civilizations? Like, why is no one visiting us in an, in an infinite universe? Why is no one here? So the idea is, well, there's a few reasons. Intelligent life. Either we're very rare mm -hmm. or we're first. Okay. Or we're doomed. Oh. So if we're very rare. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Thank you, Meatloaf. Um. If we're very rare, it means that there's very few other civilizations, and they might be on the other side of the universe. Right, yeah, completely, like, just haven't reached us yet. Right. So there might they, be... They could be just like us. So the great filter comes from this whole types of civilizations. And, okay. And, and, and Carl Sagan talked about this. Michio Kaku talks about this. Dr. Michio Kaku is a, is a guy... Uh, he's a he is a brilliant physicist, okay. and he always then he always does really fun stuff. So there's a a Fantastic Four movie coming out this summer, and Michio Kaku is doing the physics of the Fantastic oh, Four cool. in YouTube videos, and I, we'll put that that's in the show clever. notes. Yeah, no, and he's he's always on coast to coast, and he's super fun. He does like the science of science fiction, you know. He, he and when he did a Fantastic Four video, like some people on io Nine were like, he's just selling out, and I'm like. It's not like these people are internet commenters and they're talking about an astrophysicist. Right. He was like, like sharing yeah. knowledge with people that's actually like He's totally he's learning. totally selling out and you are doing tech support, you jack off. Okay. Focus, Mike. Focus. I love Major Breathing. So the great filter is well, who makes it from we said like uh -huh. this this type this type of intelligence. So this type three intelligence. Yeah. Which is, you can reach out. So t the type three intelligences okay, are the so kinds that can go to other stars. You're systems. smart enough to to build a ship and and get the heck out, or send a message somehow to another without, to yeah. another people. Yeah. So you can to you can life. find other life on mm -hmm. other planets and intelligent um, life. So what's what's the filter? So if you are a and like a, you... a, a a single cell being. How do you get to right. that in, next step? Like intelligent life, basically. So if it if we're very rare, but life can develop in all these planets, maybe the whole idea is that going from single cell to multi-cell yeah. to intelligence is something stops it. 
And it's a very uh, unique set of conditions that enabled us on our planet to do it. Okay. So you know how they found single cells on um, Mars yeah, and yeah. things like that? Like, oh, yeah, there may have been life there. Oh, right. we have life on other planets. There's well, been It's science. like an amoeba on another planet. Like, you know, that's, the amoeba's not going to talk. If yeah, it does, it'd be like this. It's a seed. It can grow into something. That's right. But if it didn't. Under the right conditions. If it didn't develop, that means that the filter. Why is it not developed? Yes, that means we're yeah. rare. Okay. Yeah, because we flourish because we have the environment and just all the right chemicals and right. everything that we need. So um, if we're, it just means that, that there's not many other people that can do that. Okay. Or beings, if you will. Right. Not necessarily people. So what if it means if we're doomed? Oh. That means that the other civilizations had some kind of problem before they reached the ability to communicate with okay. us. So could it be, you know, like the, the, the classic Planet of the Apes scenario? Yeah. You damn, you know, you have your sons of bitches, you ruined it. You blew it up. You know, that's what Charlton Heston says at the end of the movie. You know? Right. Yeah. And, um, or, you know, I mean, yeah, with the, the planet taking care of the planet. Right. Oh, well, we're doing a great job of that with the carbon emissions and the, and the rising temperatures and all these things. And the idea is, so once you get intelligent, could you find a way to kill yourself? And I, I think we're doing a great job of finding right, ways to kill ourselves every day. So that's the point. Okay. You know, so like, uh, well, that's pretty depressing. So yeah, so that's the, the, feeling... the Fermi paradox. So the thing is, like, why aren't we being visited? And I, I just read that article last week, and I thought that was a very interesting. That thing. is interesting. It's interesting to think about. I mean, but then there's always the other side of why aren't we being visited? Well, maybe they're so intelligent they realize that as soon as they approach us, we're gonna attack them, or you know, do something foolhardy. Right. That, that a lower intelligence type of being would do. Um, well, that's the, I mean, the, uh, like science fiction. And so that's what a lot of people think, and, like we're being watched and when the people who claim to see things and stuff, they think like, okay, well there's, there's, there are aliens hovering around and like observing us and kind of like well playing their next move, you know? If you look like, at the pop culture side, I mean, that's the, that's oh, the yeah. whole thing. So like the day the earth stood still. So I, uh, you, the day of the Earth is still as classic because it, it's right after the dawn of the nuclear age. And the idea is the aliens come down and say, you know what? You're engaging in this kind of behavior and you've discovered ways to, to destroy your planet. You have disearned your right to be alive. Well, well think before a nuclear bomb. We had no idea how to destroy. Right. We will never destroy the planet. But we can destroy all life on the planet. Never say never. Well, except for cockroaches. Cockroaches will live forever. <laughs> you know, they cockroaches love radiation. We just get bigger. <laughs> and, uh, but the, and that was the whole fifties. Like a lot of the fifties, uh, yeah. science fiction is based on this is what happens when you've learned how to destroy yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after World War Two, I mean, more people died in World War Two than any other conflict in human yeah. history. And so we learned to kill millions at a time in the 20th century. And that, that was a, a lot of science fiction was a result of that. Um, 
So could that be what's preventing us to get to be a type three civilization? Could we kill our? Could could we do something? Could yeah. ISIS set off a bomb and it ends up a chain? To, that's yeah, and the, I mean the twelve monkeys scenario yeah. where we you know it's biological warfare or uh, the stand by Stephen King, well, Captain Trips. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And we, I mean, there have been so I mean countless movies. Right. It's all about these biological weapons that we create, and then all of yeah. a sudden it's let loose. Right. And then everybody's dead. Yeah. Like, oh. oh. Well, I mean, it is a very fragile ecosystem, so and and little and we've developed it. We can figure out a way to destroy it, right? So that could be preventing us, and that also could have prevented countless numbers of civilizations from evolving to the point where they could talk to us, like the dinosaurs. Well, the dinosaurs didn't have suicide bombers. <laughs> no, but they could. They could. Well, had they not been stopped, stopped in their tracks. <laughs> Right. Well, by the asteroid. But that's the thing. Think about it. Just think for one second. We could have evolved. There could have been a, like a T-Rex version of me running around. No. Playing drums with wee little arms. (laughs) No. (laughs) I have to have the drums really close to me. Okay, sorry. (laughs) I saw the Dinosaurs TV show. I know what happened. (laughs) That's right, you did. Not the mama. Mama. Uh, So, that's... You remember that? Then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Is mama and not the mama? Carry but, on. That was a horrible tangent. <laughs> sure. Anyway, so search for extraterrestrial tests. The Fermi paradox: If there are uh, millions of civilizations out there, billions of civilizations, an infinite amount, mm-hmm. an infinite amount of stars, yeah. Why aren't they here? But that does go again. Like I must say, there are. Plenty of people who claim to have seen aliens and things. So perhaps Absolutely. they are here and they're just smart enough to not like right, come not, landing like Independence Day style. Like, not make the government mad. Right, exactly. Or just, you know, be so dramatic about their entrance. Like they're, they're, they're more clever than that. Well, so in the, in the late 1950s, uh, you get a couple of scientists working on this, the figuring that, okay, if there are these civilizations out there chances are like we might not be able to see what they're doing maybe we can hear it mm. so there's a 1959 paper by a scientist named philip morrison and giuseppe caccioni which he does sound like he's gonna make us impossible giuseppe caccioni and he's gotta he's gotta be a huge stud let's right. face it like come on right. giuseppe like caccioni that? give you a cologne um First pointed out the possibility of searching the microwave spectrum. And they set up a, a proposed amount of frequencies and initial targets. 1960, a Cornell University astronomer, Frank Drake, he performs the first modern SETI experiment named Project Ozma. Okay. Ozma is the queen of Oz in the Wizard of Oz books. Oh, okay. Gotcha. She's in Return to Oz. Okay. But you have to be, you have to make it to return of to return to Oz to see it to the end. Yeah, which clearly I haven't right. because I had no clue what you're talking about. No, return to Oz. It's so scary. The chick with all the heads and the guys with the uh, the roller skate hands. I'm gonna have nightmares now. Thank you for we're, describing we're, that. We I have are, no idea what you're talking about. Re- but bruise a box like first movie. You haven't seen Return to Oz? Thanks for the nightmare, Father. Okay, we're doing this after the podcast. Oh, no. We're going to go watch Return to Oz because uh, Wendy has not seen Return to Oz, which is a awesome movie. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's an it's it's Disney's scariest movie. What, with Disney movie? Yeah. 
because they like bought the rights in the 1980s or whatever. Did and they sing? No, but they kill people. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's it's. I read the book. It's based on TikTok of Oz. I'm so confused. And so, Return right to Oz is super okay, terrifying. All right, so carry on. Uh, Ozma's in that book. Um, so Frank Drake performs this experiment and comes up with this thing called the Drake Equation. And I'm okay. not going to read you the Drake Equation because it's just a bunch of numbers. Sure. Here's the variables. And the number of civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy whose electromagnetic emissions are detectable. R, the rate of formation of stars suitable for development of intelligent life. F, the fraction of those stars with planetary systems. N, the number of planets per solar system with an environment suitable for life. F, the fraction of suitable planets on which life actually appears. Fi, the fraction of life-bearing planets in which intelligent life emerges. Fc, the fraction of civilizations that develop technology that releases detectable signs of their existence into space. L, the length of time such civilizations release detectable signals into space. So I'm assuming the, these are all multiplied together. Yes. But the idea of that is that there's an equation of, like, here's the amount of stars... The probability. ...that have solar systems. Yeah. Here's the amount of solar systems that have, have planets that can have life. It's like here's a fraction the, of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a bingo. fraction. Bingo. But it still down. gives us a, an actual, like, feel for perhaps how many... And you're like, wow, man. Potential. Like, there's so it's a fraction of a fraction of yeah. a fraction of a fraction. But when you start with, like, the number that a goes... Huge, yeah. A hundred billion. Yeah. Then you're like, wait... Yeah, even there's there got to be somebody out there. Even if the result is like 12, it's like, whoa, there's 12 options for places that could have, you know, life. Right. And I mean, and that's what Stephen King, I mean, Stephen Hawking, <laughs> Stephen King, Stephen King is a completely different idea of alien Stephen life than Stephen King. Hawking. <laughs> no, I heard you. You said Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> right. But even Stephen Hawking is like, look, when it comes to the universe, there's got to be intelligent life. Sure. Because the chances of us being the only it one... Would be, it'd be ignorant for us to, to deny that possibility. It'd be just as ignorant as mm-hmm. saying that the Earth revolves around the sun. Right. I'm mean, sorry, that the sun revolves around the Earth. <laughs> wow. Mike, I just, would you uh, like some more wine? I just give the flat Earth people a we don't huge get to, thing. No more, no more champagne celebrations of, of episode 50. Oh, come on. We're having fun <laughs> and we're talking about... The thing is, there's a hundred... Like, we have a reason to celebrate. There's a hundred million reasons to celebrate. This is true. This is true. Um, the search for extraterrestrial life. Okay. This, so, the search for extraterrestrial... In the beginning, SETI, mm-hmm. the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, um, was part of a NASA program. Cool. And that's over now. Uh-huh. So NASA will help out the people and okay. stuff like that. Sure. But really, I mean, SETI is based in Berkeley, California. Okay. You that's see where it was started? No, I mean, that's where I mean, where it's pretty much based now. Okay. And there's a thing called and so SETI at home. So, yeah. And um, it's where it, so how would you describe SETI at home? I would describe it as a screensaver that I downloaded in college. Mm-hmm. On every computer that I owned because it was like this cool looking 3D kind of like rainbow. um, It looked like mountains that were forming almost. And it was the data that would be processing or whatever using your X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And when you weren't using the the computer, the Mm -hmm. CPU would be utilized to process this information and you, it would track how many units or whatever you had processed. So in college it was fun because we'd compare who had more? Who had know, the most units? Absolutely. You, you didn't get any 
prize or anything for it, but it was just kind of a bragging rights, like, ooh, I'm I've helped this much of the I'm helping you know, out the search. aliens the most. Yeah. I'm helping out the <laughs> and so I used to work at the University Computer Center. Um and they would set up the entire labs to do SETI yeah. at home. So they had a lot of when credits people were not we would set up the entire do it journal. So it was called the Division of Information Technology. Do it. And we would set up the whole thing on, and these were top end Macs. Like these were super fast computers. And cool. we all have them run SETI at home all the time. And we run our home computers on it. So you, and you accumulated lots of SETI points then, I'm sure. Bingo. <laughs> And, well, not I wasn't the guy that had the uh, administrator access to all, of them, so nice. I didn't get to accumulate the points. Oh. But I, I would participate and help out. And so they were always looking for it was always information from the radio telescope in Arecibo, right? So it would send the raw data, it would distribute it across whatever computers had this application installed on them and running when the computer was in idle time, right? And then whatever information you processed. Hopefully, yours would show that would you be the one. That, you're the one that found the, the weird unusual. stuff, the An weird anomaly. communication, or the the, the anomaly yeah. on the electromagnetic spectrum. Exactly. But Arecibo, like, okay, so there's a um, a James Bond movie from 20 years ago now called Goldeneye. Goldeneye. And Pierce Brosnan, Remington Steele, is a star of Goldeneye, and Sean Bean, Ned Stark from Game of Thrones, is the bad guy. Did I just ruin that? Yeah, and if you haven't seen Goldeneye, welcome to the 21st century. I'm your guide. I was just excited for the, another opportunity to see Ned Stark alive. <laughs> it's true. I love that. Right. Oh, man. I I just watched all the death scenes oh, oh no. from Game of Thrones. Like somebody had all the death scenes from the first three seasons, and they did a YouTube compilation. It lasted 50 minutes. Oh, Just for three seasons of 50 minutes long. Humans so, are disgusting. Okay, so sorry. Go ahead. Um, so the final, Goldeneye. The final battle of Goldeneye takes place at Arecibo. Okay. When uh, Mulder, the uh, season three opener of the X-Files, is an episode called Little Green Men, it's Mulder going to Arecibo. Wow, you're is, linking a lot of, like, this is craziness. Well, it's the it, it was the biggest radio, tel- it, it is currently the okay. biggest radio telescope in the world. Got it, okay. China is building a bigger one right now. Like, like this month Ooh, is building a big one. But the biggest rated telescope in the world is right now in Arecibo, Puerto Rico, okay. which is on top of a mountain. Cool. And I've been there. Ooh. And I'll put it up in the show notes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really is. Um, you go. Uh, so Puerto Rico is not that big. You can get on the island almost anywhere in a couple hours. You might have to drive through the mountains, um, run over some chickens. Weird things happen <laughs> in the mountains. No, they do. But the thing is, when you get up there, um, Arecibo was going to be half an hour, 45 minutes out of the capital of Puerto okay. Rico, San Juan. And you go up this mountain, and it really is like a half an hour. It's, it's a long drive, mm-hmm. and you get there, and it is this gigantic thing Sweet. in the middle of a mountain-like oh. jungle. And it is exceptional. That's awesome. And I remember my Astronomy 101 uh, teaching assistant mm-hmm. had just come from like three months of working at Arecibo. Oh, wow. What and, a neat opportunity. Right, and it, it's pretty sweet, and I still have like a, a little like a Arecibo coffee mug and things like cool. that. But that's where all of the uh, um, information for SETI. Okay. So they take the raw data that's being collected mm-hmm. at that particular telescope, and then they set they have a server or whatever, and they're sending it off in packets to, to and the, the servers billions of people all in over the Berkeley. Planet. Okay, and so um, and Yuri owns it. 
or how does he connect well, to this? Well, Yuri's getting, I'll get into right, Yuri sorry. in a second. So, I, I mean, Berkeley's a great city in California. And have you been to Berkeley? I I don't think I've, I've been like past it, but I don't think I've ever actually okay. been in there. Well, my, my um, when I was 10, we spent a summer there. Okay, right. And it was, I loved it. Like, cool. it was just so weird. That, Perfect for little Mike. Like when I applied for colleges, I only applied for two colleges. I applied for Madison and I applied for Berkeley. <laughs> and the thing was is that they were both the weirdest places that I could think of. <laughs> yep. Because there Wisconsin was no, I mean, well, there was, Berkeley. I mean, I guess if I hadn't been to Boulder yet, and if I had been to Boulder, I might have applied there too. Because I'm like, those people in Boulder are weird. Oh, nice. But I, I'd done like campus tours in Evanston. And I'm like, no, nope, not weird enough. Right. You know, like there's a certain places and that they're totally weird people. And, and Berkeley's one of them and so when we spent some time there i was taking these courses at this place that was affiliated with the university and was doing courses for children okay and one of them uh was search for extraterrestrial life and so we had a whole summer spent that's amazing like you know a 10 year old kid i was going crazy and you were trying to divide you were trying to like that whole contest based on designing aliens and okay, like weird so, planets, but with science associated. Like, so why would the aliens be like this? Why was their planet a certain way and the aliens would be like this? Why was, you know. And now we're all getting a feel for where. Yeah. You, <laughs> why you're doing this right now, Mike. <laughs> right. Because I love this stuff from when I was a little that's, kid. That's really cool, though, that those, you know, instructors came up with those ways of making Making kids think about well, and the fact that my mom would walk me and, down every yeah. day, this like this thing that was like, so we were staying on the campus, and she'd yeah. like walk me down the six blocks to the thing, and oh, she'd be like, cool. "Okay, behave yourself." Aww. And um, anyway, so so Berkeley's been into this stuff, and this right now is a center for SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial okay. Intelligence, and that's how it kind of ties in. Okay, and and that's the thing. So the, the university is involved, and and the different scientists down there are involved and so this guy yuri milner is pouring money into what they're doing he believes in the way that they're searching for life yes and um they're calling it breakthrough listen it's a 10-year project that will collect such massive amounts of data using two of the world's most advanced radio telescopes there'll be no way to analyze it without the crowdsource hey. processing of seti at home okay cool so we're all going to be involved yes. in what Yuri Milner and Stephen Hawking are doing. Awesome. And it might be on our smartphones. It might be on our computers. It might be anything. But And whoever whoever's the one that like the alien pops up on their app. Right. That'd be the cool. They deserve a prize of some sort. Absolutely. They'll get, I, I'm sure they'll be like. Like a lottery. At least like a YouTube a video. <laughs> but I got a hand of the guys at SETI have been completely disrespected by Oh no! It's like the scientific community, because they're like, you're never gonna find anything, and mainstream science is what? not. Well, you know, main, a lot of mainstream scientists oh. are nerds. Yeah. Um, but they're not very cool. Because it's not it's not cool to do something that has no. How do you make any money on it? Sure. Okay. Mm. Like, here's the thing about SETI. There's no clearly cor- not about there's the money, no corporate obviously. sponsor, and there's no commercial. Yeah. And yeah, it's just people and, wanting, you know, information. And in the scientific community lately, I'll say that you sense a very uh, prejudice, harshness against people that believe weird things. 
Interesting. And you can see that. I mean, you can see that in the discussions people have. And, yeah, and they're like, well, sad. I'm either atheist or I'm not an atheist. Or I believe in this or I don't believe in this. And it's there's not like saying like, well, maybe. And right, I'll, I'll keep an cool open mind. It. It's, it's part of the polarization of society. And you see this in the entire paranormal world where uh, mainstream science used to embrace a lot of these things and say like, mm-hmm. you know what? Something's weird going on. We're going to try to figure it Let's out. Let's explore it. Right. Now, there's no... Shut gr- it down. There's no grants. That's the, yeah, that's interesting, actually. And, uh, mm-hmm. and and it just hardens a lot of scientists yeah. against it. And, it, and, you know, it's... I mean, I love Richard Dawkins because I think he's a brilliant speaker and yeah. things like that. But also, in his uh, crusade to shut down uh, Christian... Uh, yeah. Know, well, the whole, you know, like the idea that... The, it, it hurts the things that people who are looking for alternative explanations. Yeah. The world's like, oh, well, things can't be explained. Yes, they can. That's it. Yeah. Well, we've been lucky. I mean, again, you know, through the 50 episodes we've been doing, um, we've met a lot of people who are challenging that and are, are like respected scientific, you know, incredibly yeah, but, intelligent minds and, that and are people like people that are researchers. And but stuff they're like still that. they're still like, we don't have an answer. Nobody has an answer. We have to keep all the options open. It's a big universe. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, huge. We, we, like, how, what remember we about t- the thing about the butts? <laughs> I'm still trying to forget. Just going back to just, you know, full circle here. Yes. Uh, hey, it's a full moon. <laughs> oh. All right. If you're interested in getting all these links and finding a link where you can download SETI, because what if one of our listeners found extraterrestrial life? I believe so. I want one of you guys to do it. Or me. Well, we're gonna we're gonna put <laughs> all of the links at othersidepodcast.com slash fitty. That's othersidepodcast.com slash five zero. And don't forget you can tweet us at otherside talk mm-hmm. or at a at Sunspot Mike. Yep, you can find us at Sunspot Mike's me and Sunspot, Sunspot Wendy. Wendy. And you can email us show at otherSidepodcast.com. There's so many ways to find us. Uh, but otherSidepodcast.com is, is got all the links so we hope to hear from you and we look forward to the next 50 episodes we'll be celebrating soon for episode 100 right can't wait yeah yeah all right anyway 100 million dollars given to these guys and we're just and we're just going into it so thank you let's applaud yuri yes yuri milner i don't care how you get that money but use it for good and anyway, thank you for the hundred million dollars. And we hope you find that extraterrestrial intelligence. Yes, indeed. But you know what? This week's song is about money. It's about money. Yeah. So, money donated toward finding extraterrestrial life. Kinda. Okay. So, um, anyway, this song is <laughs> let's let's say you had so much money you didn't care. Okay. So this one's called "The Square Root of All Evil." <laughs> say money gives you peace of mind but money don't make you satisfied I guess it all depends on what you want to do I only want enough to say F you and own my own jetpack have a blonde with a fake rack do more drugs than Kerouac and buy a sports team Use a Van Gogh as TP Have a personal chimpanzee Buy everything on QVC And live off ice cream Money gives you peace of mind But 
money don't make you satisfied I guess it all depends on what you wanna do I only wanna love to say F you and Drive around a red Corvette Buy all the art up at the Met Have a lager as a pet And sleeping all day Drink a lot just to get off Hang around with hassle Hop on the birthmark off Gorbachev and eat at buffets This is the way we ride We can tell the world to kiss our butts This is the way we roll Where we can tell all the haters what to suck Satisfied. I guess it all depends on what you wanna do. I only wanna love to say F you. When I am king on my island made of cheese, I'll buy your respect and make everyone say. my comedy and sell jokes for a penny I'll be the banker of loyalty Copyright happiness And when you smile You'll have to pay a royalty To me Money gives you peace of mind But money don't make you satisfied I guess it all depends on what you want to do I only want enough to say F you Money gives me peace of mind But money don't make you satisfied I guess it all depends on what you want to do for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. I like this plan. I'm excited to be part of it. Let's do it. Do it. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. How big is the universe? Well, how big is a but, whoa, I would rather see your ghosties than anything else you've got. Ah. Main Street and Menominee Falls. Okay.